and Soul Podcast. I'm grateful you are tuning in today. I'm Shauna Hall, a self-love and mindset coach, teaching you how to align your life through mindset shifts, spirituality, and manifestation. Each week, I'll be giving you tips designed to help you create a passionate, purposeful, high-vibe reality that you love. If you're ready to align your glow, you're in the right place. Let's get to it. One of my big discoveries over the last couple of years has been the the science of energy frequency and vibration oh I can't wait to talk about that (laughs) understanding how that plays into each individual's ability to to claim their sovereignty okay within the context of that we are five percent conscious beings and that 95 percent of our potential is locked in our bodies Um, And so when we can understand what's happening from a big picture view and then approach things from that like more bird's eye view and take into account the the science of energy, frequency and vibration, this is where we can really get empowered in our bodies, connect our bodies, minds, hearts and guts to our nervous systems um, and then really activate not only manifestation for ourselves, which, you know, so many people have talked about with the secret, but when you're trying to manifest from your head only, that's only 5% of who you are. Welcome back to the podcast. So excited to welcome our guest today, Elaine Gardner, who's a coach helping those claim sovereignty through understanding your unique energy field and vibration to activate your true desires. Elaine has spent 17 years as a clinical nutritionist and holistic health educator, helping thousands reclaim their health. And in 2020, Elaine started embracing her intuitive gifts and now, as I said, works with people to help them become the best possible version of themselves through intuitiveness, through reading people's energy fields and auras, and through really just holding space. Today's episode is so juicy and so jam-packed. You're absolutely going to love it. A few things that we touch upon are how to anchor in, what it means to receive, and of course, all things energetic fields. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Align Your Glow and Soul podcast. Today, I have Elaine on the podcast, and we are going to talk about all things energy and vibrations. So welcome, Elaine. Thank you so much, Shauna. It's such a joy to be here. Yay. Well, my first question for all my guests is, how do you align your glow and soul? Oh, that's been quite a journey for me. So for a very long time, I was actually physically based to trying to align and get my glow. And I wasn't really considering soul at that point in time, but I had been very ill starting from a very young age. So I got into the holistic health field and um, body work. I, I had a degree in health, but I I got really deeply into body work and nutritional supplementation. And as I started to get better, thankfully, by being outside the box and doing those kind of things, I started to realize, of course, that we are much more than a physical body and started to work on mental, emotional things. And, um, you know, that it's just it's been one journey, uh, one incredible and a, a long journey, but an incredible journey that I will forever be grateful for. Beautiful. And that transitions perfectly to my next question is how have you arrived to this present moment in time and tell us a little bit about your journey to get here okay so as I mentioned I was suffering and really really struggling with my physical health for a very very long time and doing things you know just inside the mainstream box and and 
and I was very young when I started getting ill, around 14. So I struggled with my physical health for two decades. And of course, it had a mental, emotional roller coaster along with that. Um, and then the one thing that I always knew that I wanted in my life was children. And luckily, I was blessed with two beautiful, healthy sons in my late 20s and early 30s. And I just had that like wake up moment one one day where I have these two beautiful boys. I have this life that I've been dreaming about and I'm barely sleeping. So like I, I'm mis- absolutely miserable and can barely get through the day because I can't focus. If I can think about what to say to somebody, my brain does not have the ability to have any word retrieval. Um, so I just made a commitment to myself, like there's got to be a better way and I'm going to figure that out. And that led me on a whole journey into the world of holistic health, which started with physical health. And then I realized like mental, emotional health were really critical. And um, as I was and, and then the universe just started dropping breadcrumbs in front of me. And I started playing with different things and kept following the pathways. And, and then I got some additional training and ended up being a holistic practitioner, practitioner myself. So I've been in private practice as a clinical nutritionist and initially also as a body worker, combining those two modalities, which I opened my own private practice in 2004, so many years ago. And um, was learning all kinds of wonderful things as I was going, very committed to personal growth and continuous education. And uh, one of the things that really brought my, my practice to an incredible level was learning about hormones. So I studied restorative endocrinology with Dr. Janet Lang. And uh, when I started implementing what I had learned and those trainings, my results with my clients went through the roof. So I ended up dropping my body work, staying with, um, I was working with whole food nutritional supplements, which I still do with some people, um, and really focusing on hormones. And um, it was amazing. So I was having a really great time and getting fabulous results. And of course, people were happy because they were getting great results. And um, and that went on for a really long time. It was very successful. And uh, was, I'm very grateful for that. It was such a privilege to be able to work in that capacity. Um, and then 2020 hit. Or from my experience, a few days after Christmas in December of 2019, things shifted. It was like literally like somebody flipped a switch where I started to see something that I'd never seen before literally affect every single one of my clients. So, and and this was, you know, three months before they said that there was, you know, what, what's been going on in the world was even known to be existing here in the state of Massachusetts. So I saw something way ahead of time. Um, and it wasn't this big traumatic thing, but it was definitely noteworthy because it was very different. So there was a very consistent drop in function and in large intestines and kidneys. And, uh, and I just, for the last two years, what I have seen show up in my clients' bodies, the way that they have been affected has been so consistent through the client base um, and something like I used to be able to, you know, everybody had their own individual things going on and their, their healing process was very individual. And this has been much more like everybody's kind of in the same group and where it would oftentimes take a couple of months to get the, the functions of people's bodies that were most compromised back to full level. Literally everybody is still at a low level of function everybody, regardless of, you know, I have, I have clients that have really stressful jobs and stress is always a huge factor. 
um, and the ability to heal. But I also have people that love their work and take really good care of themselves and have beautiful, loving relationships. And even those people, their bodily functions have been and continue to be compromised. Interesting. Very, very abrupt change. Um, and the, the nutritional supplementation programs that I've had to utilize have been very different because the body is looking for like this overall support just to kind of, you know, stay above the fray, so to speak, and and maintain this lower level of function as opposed to really being in healing mode. And again, this was before like the major stressors came on, you know, the stress of everything that was happening in the world and the shutdowns and things like that. So this preceded that. So I've just kept showing up every day saying, you know, what what do I need to change about my protocols or or the support that I'm giving people and adjusting their lifestyles? And, you know, I just want to get people back to to having great results and feeling really good. And I also want to get back to feeling really good about what I'm providing for people and having fun in my interactions with people. And, and, and of course, I also had to face the, you know, the the shutdowns and things like that. So I ended up going virtual. So, and what happened was completely surprising. I'd use muscle testing as one of my diagnostic tools and, and that translates beautifully into virtual, which, you know, can seem strange to some people, but everything is energy. So it works beautifully. And what I realized very, very quickly is my intuition went through the roof when I went virtual and I thought it was just, you know, years of practice. And because I had, you know, tested people's bodies for so long and I knew the supplementation programs and all of that. But one day when I was working with a client, I literally got this visual image, not in front of my eyes, like in my brain. And it was this really strange image and I just didn't understand what it was. So what I said to her was, there's something in your home that's interfering with your ability to maintain your health or get well. And she then proceeded to describe a construction project that exactly matched what I had seen in my mind. So I was like, okay, something do this intuitive thing. So then I went on this journey of like continuing with this. How do I show up and really get people these great results? And also what is this intuitive thing? Because this is something that I haven't experienced before to that level. But I just kept playing with my intuition and have, I was having a really great time with it. And, and I had this runner client. I'm like, by the way, you know, you really need to stretch more on your left side. Your knees really feeling wonky. It's like, how do you know that? Like, Your body's speaking to me. This is what it's telling me. And he's like, yeah, that has really been bothering me. So it was fun and I just kept playing with it. And um, and then in, in September of 2020, it was uh, I was on a short dinner break. I had just taken my, you know, my leftovers out of the toaster oven to sit down and eat. I had 20 minutes before my next client. And as I go to sit down, I get this very strong, this is not my thought process, like a voice in my head, get up, get a piece of paper and write this down. I'm like, what, 20 minutes is, I only have time to eat. Like, and it just repeats. <laughs> And then, so literally all I have is like this, you know, three by three, four by four kind of uh, sticky pad close by. So I grab a pencil, it's like draw nine concentric circles and put a stick figure in the middle. And, and this slowly started to unfold over the next couple of weeks that what, what was given to me, the download I got from the universe, because I kept showing up and asking for these things is that the human body is in, it's like its own solar system. It sits in the middle of energy fields, just like the sun does. And so when we take into account the energy fields around the human body, which includes the physical body, the mental body, the emotional body, and the way it came in for me originally was etheric body. 
And I didn't even know what the ether was at that time, which is actually a form of matter, but it's the interconnectedness of all living things. Um, so when you take into account the energy fields around people's bodies, this is when you can really get, um, you know, to, this is where we're moving as a society to really consider much more deeply that we are just more than a physical body. And there's all kinds of things in the physical body, right? the soul and the heart space and all kinds of things that I hadn't been considering. So after that download, within a couple of weeks, I realized I could actually see people's energy fields. And again, not visually, but in my mind's eye. And I don't see them like when I'm walking around, you know, in public or just talking to people like you and I are talking. It's very permission based for me. I could turn that on and do it if I wanted to, but that would feel out of integrity for me. So I only access people's energy fields when I have permission from them. And then their body walks us through what do the energy fields look like? Where is the energy blocked in there? What does that actually mean? Is it a lineage trauma? Is it something from their childhood? Is it a limiting belief? And then how do we clear that from the body? And, and in my experience, it has also been, how do we clear that in a simplistic and a non-traumatic way? Because you know everybody has experienced trauma to some degree or another or has inherited trauma. And a lot of the ways that we have approached trauma work up until this point has been traumatic. When people go back into these experiences and they relive them and it brings up the trauma. And when you work at it from an energy perspective, the way the body directs it, my clients do not experience that, that re-trauma. We don't have to go back and relive that experience. They don't always even have to know, you know where, where that blockage is coming from and have to tell me those kind of things. We just let the body walk us through. This is how we clear it. And it's simple things like taking a walk and talking to your ancestors, calling in people, um, being in communication with your body, um, doing breathing exercises, you know, like I don't think anyone's had, oh, and we start opening the, what the energetic blockage when we're working together. And then they have follow-up steps, which are like, the, they has two reasons for those things. One, so that they can finish clearing whatever the body has opened and also it starts to create a toolbox for them to have things to utilize when things come up in everyday life. So wow. I'm not sure I answered your question, but that was a, I think. A, a, a yeah. Thank you for sharing. That was amazing. What a like fabulous journey that you've had. And I love, and I think many people have experienced you know, the wake. I, I like to see it as the wake of 2020. Many individuals have transformed in some way, shape or form. And the fact that you have this now beautiful gift that you probably have always had, you just really have not had the opportunity to tap into it. So how cool is that, that, you know, this challenging time brought to you this amazing gift that now you can help others in their journey as well. Yes. And I have come to believe it, like it, I was having fun with, with what came in for me, especially from a personal exploration perspective. But honestly, I already felt like kind of the weird one out in the world. I was the holistically minded girl. A lot of people don't understand that perspective. So they now have these like psychic or extrasensory gifts that I was obviously being asked to share with the world. I was actually quite uncomfortable, you know, like I already felt like the black sheep and the odd girl out. And so for me to be like, yeah, and I can do this, it, like it, I wasn't comfortable with it. I had to do work around that. Um, but one of the things I discovered, a beautiful book that a friend of mine had recommended, um, was a in, in the, the book itself has nothing to do with extrasensory gifts per se, 
but but in in the course of this book as this man is on his journey that he got assigned from some of his cosmic guides he's meeting people in different places of the world that are like coming out and saying we knew you were coming we're here to help you he hadn't told people that he was traveling he was really on the just traveling with one other man but everywhere he went in these more like indigenous areas these tribal people would come out and be like we're here to help you we knew you were coming and so it just clicked something in my brain like wait a second this isn't unique to me everybody what you said everybody has these gifts it was always there in certain ways of upbringing in certain parts of the world, people have been able to retain those extrasensory and psychic gifts in the way that we have, the way that our world is here, we lose touch with them. That was definitely something I wanted to get into. So how does one even know? Well, okay. First of all, everybody has a unique gift. And I think we often forget that, but I think a lot of people struggle with realizing we're all unique, special humans. We were all here for a reason. You know, the fact that one conception as I'm learning about conception and all that good stuff, it's really hard. Like it's not an easy process to actually create a human. So the fact that we are all here on this planet, we are here for a reason. So how do people realize when they have a gift or explore those gifts or tap into those gifts? How does one even start that process? That is something that I'm exploring more deeply about how to present, how how to help people understand how to find themselves. If we work from the premise of what happens to us from the moment of conception on, if we come in as soon as soon as if so if we start from the beginning saying that all of us have a what can be a physical but also a non-physical essence, what most people refer to as soul. So the soul, as soon as it starts to anchor in a human body and start the creation process of becoming a human body, automatically starts picking up like lineage trauma and other things that can end up in their DNA or other parts of their body. So as soon as they start to create in physical form, they're already starting to pull things that can take them completely off course from their soul. And then because of the way the soul has come into the physical world and the way that it has been up until now, which I think is changing, the soul also gets amnesia. So it loses all of its all of its knowledge and other lifetimes of experience. So it's starting over in a lot of aspects. And then because of the systems and structures of our society and the way that we have been locked into being only 5% consciousness, 95% unconsciousness, and from birth to age seven, we're downloading a belief system that is our unconsciousness that we do we cannot choose, we're not choosing, that becomes our operating system. So we download our belief system from birth, birth to age seven based on what we experience from our familial systems, our religious systems, our school systems. It becomes our operating system. And then we can only think based on the unconscious beliefs that we don't even know we have. And so then from thoughts, you take action, which then creates your life. And then your life experiences reinforce what you think is true, but it's all driven by things that are unconscious. And then, you know, the structures and systems of our world, particularly like the public educational system, then we're even more trained to be in our heads and only utilize our heads and actually neglect our bodies. We sit in chairs all day. We're told when to eat, when to move, when we can talk to people. And so we're trained to be stuck in our heads, which is 5% consciousness, only 5% of who we are. 
so that we're not accessing our body at all and all of these other extrasensory gifts. And a lot of times if kids do see things or have cosmic guides or, or whatever it is they're you know, they're they, oftentimes their family doesn't know what to do with them and they're told they're weird and ostracized and understand. Mm-hmm. So then they think they're, they're, they're in, in, in elicits like a shame complex. They think they're bad, broken, wrong, too much, not enough, you know, so it develops all this shame stuff in their body, which is very, very damaging from a physical perspective. So they hide it and they lock it inside. Um, yeah, so th- there's many, many things. And then our society has no idea what to do with emotions. There's, there's no, you know, <laughs> so really, true. there's, unless you're smiling and nodding and being complacent and agreeable, like, you know, you're a tantrum tantrum, you're a bad kid, whatever. I mean, and look at, you know, ADD and ADHD. It seems like every single freaking kid is getting labeled with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, small bodies are, uh, everybody is meant to move and small bodies are meant to move more than big bodies. Absolutely. I hate the fact that we take a seven-year-old and like tell them to sit on a desk for five hours a day, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And pay attention and, and, and take in this information that doesn't really allow that person to get to know themselves or think for themselves. It's, you know, they get, they get graded on how well they do. And also this big comparison game. You know, so people have no ability within the structures and systems to develop self-esteem or have their own gifts nurtured. And if they come from a home that does those kind of things, that's beautiful and wonderful. And they may fare better than others. But still, if it's only a small percentage of their time, they're still never going to fully develop their gifts and really realize, you know, who they are. Like with one of my kids, I was always like, you know, you and your brother are very, very different. And I understand that, you know, school really isn't your thing, but this is like part of the game. You know, you actually have to finish school in order to get to do anything in life. So I don't agree with a lot of the things the school system does, but like, let's just figure out how to manage it. You know, so I tried to foster his, this doesn't really work for me and and still help him navigate within the system so that he could retain as much of himself as possible mm-hmm. um, that I was capable of providing at that time because, you know, I wasn't the same person I am now. So I could have supported him better as the person I am now, but I didn't know a lot of these things at that time. So definitely challenging to tap into any sort of gift when you're younger, as you just mentioned. So somebody, you know, grows up, Maybe they have a little nudge of something and as you said, it's typically squashed down. It's, you know, put aside. They're told, oh, that's just a floof. That's weird. We don't do that. So somebody becomes an adult and then they come into the hamster wheel of life, the nine to five grind, and then they're unhappy. And so what is, you know, how So many people do this, right? It's normal, quote unquote, and you can't see me, but I'm quotations it's normal to you know get into a job that you went to school for and work your booty off and make the money and do what you're told and get the health insurance and you know if you don't like your job oh well you have to do it all these things are quote normal which is a whole another topic <laughs> um, so how does one realize that one you can hop out of this hamster wheel and actually get way more fulfillment. And two, you have, whether it's sewing or teaching people how to cope with emotions or whatever, everybody has something unique about them that they can share with the world. How does somebody get into all those things? Those are all excellent questions. 
Um, and I just want to point out as well, I know some people who don't have to do the nine to five grind because they have, you know, financial means and it does not exempt them from struggling to find themselves and utilize their gifts. Very good point. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, and I think the the structures and systems are set up brilliantly to, to keep people so distracted that they never find their way to the gifts. But, but even people who don't have to do that because of all the structures and systems that they were exposed to when they were little can still get struck in that. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing is um, curiosity, mm. like, you know, and like commitment. So even when I was struggling with my physical health, I had all of these other beautiful things in my life. And they said, there's got to be a way. So for me, every time I make a commitment, like I'm done with this and I am committed to finding another way, then things start to show up for me. And then it's just having that awareness to be able to, to move forward and start examining those things. And, and then for me, it was like sorting through the breadcrumbs as things started to show up for me and I would start to try things or read things or it was then, does this resonate with me? Because this is a, what can be a huge trap is following the experts because there are so many people that have traveled these paths before us, mm-hmm. whether you know finding better health and um, you can find tons and tons of workout information and tons of nutritional information and what I have learned over the years for example, as far as food is concerned, there is no one right way of eating that works for everybody. So the same is true for everything that all of the personal growth that we get experienced, you have the curiosity, you start moving down that pathway, you have that commitment to finding a better way, you have to be screening it and not just listening to if that worked for them, well, that's going to work for me, that may not be right for you. Mm-hmm. It's that attunement, that resonance with, you know, align your glow and soul, align. Does this align with me? Am I curious about that? Because if you're forcing yourself just because you think they're the expert, you can get led more astray. I agree a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm, You touched on like diet and I'm like, oh, I hate that. We think that, you know, keto is the right way or meat eating is the right way or, you know, on and on and on. And it's like, no, everybody's body is different. Everybody functions differently. I, you know, function well as a vegan, but that might not be the case for somebody else. And we're all very unique, but you have to, as you said, explore and does it feel good? Does it uh, like, does it like, if you sit there and just absorb the information and is it something that you feel good with? Is it something that you're um, not opposed to and just tapping into the intuition? And I also think people don't know how to do that either and really lean into that. Yeah, but the body's always giving off cues. I have lovely mentors that like that say the body is always in now. And that's like the 95% unconsciousness. So that's a like that's our all of our potential is in our body. So if we use our head to guide us, this is an intention, especially as a gateway in, because we've been so indoctrinated to use our intellect and our head space. It's like, okay, I know I want something different. Here are like 10 different pathways that might start me on the on the right way of where I think I want to go, or even just to open things up so I can figure out where I want to go, which of these feels right in my body and leaning into that. And when you start paying attention to your body, the body loves when you give it attention and it will start communicating with you. Like there are days when, like, for example, I use food because it's such an obvious thing, you know, that everybody experiences, but 
I'll go to the refrigerator on on lunch break and and I'll think I'm going to pull out something from last night and I'll open the refrigerator and my body goes, there's no way you can eat that right now. <laughs> hey, you can have that for dinner. You can have that for tomorrow. Right now you need something light. So do pasta or salad or something like that. You can't eat that leftover taco, like really, really strong information. But that's of years of being connected with my body. And it doesn't take years to make that connection. But, you know, I was ignoring my body for a very, very long time. So if you start paying attention to the signals that your body is telling you, it always has tons and tons of information that it wants to share with you. So if you just sit with it for a minute, like you have three choices in front of you and you'd be like, bring a couple of deep breaths into your chest, focus on your heart space and be like, which one of these feels right? And what I love to tell people when they start playing with their, those, those signals and that intuition is to have fun with it and be light about it. So don't try to go in and make these big, huge life-changing decisions as you're trying to get comfortable with the information that your body is sharing with you. Go to the grocery store and let your body help you pick out produce. You know, like I'll get, like, I'll go to grab an orange and be like, not that one, go three rows down and two over. Okay. That's the orange, you know, and, and, or I'll just touch it and be like, nope, but I'll touch another one. Yep. You know, so, and if I get home and I have a bad piece of fruit, that's not, that's not going to, you know, ruin my life. So the more I practice in that way, or when I get up in the morning, like, and I open my closet, what do I feel like wearing today? I let my body choose, not like, you know, get all in my headspace about this doesn't go well with this, or this doesn't go like, oh no, that shirt. Like I look at, I look at each one of them and be like, oh, that's the one, you know, the others don't appeal to me. But tomorrow, one of those other ones might. So I let my body do that leading. I'm not always coming from my head. And the more I do that in those really subtle, easy ways, the more that it, it, I can trust when I'm making bigger decisions. I love that. Regarding the body and nutrition, is there any things that we consume that block us from feeling into our bodies, such as caffeine or alcohol? Not particular category, so to speak. So that's a really common question. And where you know, there's so much like gluten-free and dairy-free and this category doesn't work for me. But the the issue, the, the, the more subtle issue is that there is a huge variance in quality from product to product to product. So even just all dairy is bad for me, it could be like, wait, no, all pasteurized milk is doesn't agree with my body, but raw milk works for me or yogurt works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I don't do well with wheat. And I've experimented with both organic and non-organic wheat, and it doesn't matter if it's organic or not. But so if you have a suspicion that like, like a category of food isn't working, I always encourage people like, have you tried organic? You know, because there's so many things in our food supply that shouldn't be called food and do not belong in the human body. Mm-hmm. Focusing on quality you could actually be getting additives and all kinds of things. And it's not the category of food. It's the additives and the processing, or like I mentioned, pasteurization and then raw, there's a huge difference in the nutrient quality um, of raw milk versus pasteurized milk. And a lot of people get freaked out about raw milk, but when, when you get it from a local trusted farm and the cows are eating what they're supposed to be, if that's something that works for your body, um, it can be a, a, an amazing, amazing healing tool. And that, you know, that's a, it's a whole other can of worms because my <laughs> grocery store, which is fine, but I always recommend like start with organic, especially mm-hmm. the you eat the most frequently because there's so many things that are not allowed in organic food and labels can be really confusing. 
but um, organic is actually legally defined. It's third-party verified. So there's a lot of things that aren't allowed in organic food. So it takes a lot of additives and stuff out that could be messing with you out of the equation. Mm. Higher quality, then it's a whole lot easier to figure out what is and isn't agreeing with you. Oh, I love that. That's a really great tip if you're struggling with that, for sure. So switching gears, something that you mentioned earlier was energetic field vibration and all that. I love the subject so much. I talk about it all the time and energetic. So what do you um, work with your clients on when in regards to their own unique energetic field and vibration? So as I mentioned, because I can see people's energy fields and also the energy inside their body, I let the body lead. It will actually show us uh, in a prioritized way where there are energetic blockages whether they're in the energy fields around the human body or in the human body. And it also changes. Um, so while it's, it's unique for each individual, it is also connected to the collective because everything is energetically intertwined. A lot of oneness. Yes. <laughs> what's been coming up a lot lately is heart space. Mm. Um, which makes complete sense because from my perspective, based on everything that I've exposed myself to over the last couple of years, the most healing vibration available to each individual and to the collective is love. Mm -hmm. What described as love. And it's not the human experience of love. It's this very, very pure openness, um, shedding all of the duality and all the programming and just, you know, really being interconnected and also, Science has documented that the energetic heart space that sits in the middle of the chest is in a very, very expansive energetic field. It extends off of the body six feet in all directions into a big toric, wow. like a dome energy field that's in constant motion. And because of what we've been taught about what love is or isn't, and then have experiences that um, really, really contract us because we, our bodies think that it's contracting as a protective mechanism, but it's also, it's very damaging actually getting into the heart space and clearing all the blockages in there and opening that up is incredibly healing for each individual and, and as the collective and the way that it feeds the collective. So we're doing a lot of heart opening and clearing. And sometimes the things that come up there are very surprising. They're not always about um, you know, romantic relationships. Um, you know, I have a, uh, a young client, um, a lot of his heart stuff was actually around and he had like that, his body was expressing it's the, the visual that his body expressed to me was like, he actually had a giant hole in that space hmm. and family that was very disconnected and cold. And so his individual response based on the, what he experienced was this energetic detachment, which is now as a, as a young adult, preventing him from having close relationships in his life. So we're going back and healing his, uh, his, th this lifetime biological lineage and his early childhood experiences in relation to what he experienced, but also lineage things that came before that caused his biological family to behave and show up the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, those are just a few examples. I love that. And I love that you talk about the heart space. I didn't, I've heard that before about energetic fields expanding out a certain distance, but I didn't know specifically with the heart chakra energies that, so you said it's six feet and all directions around you. 
Yeah, and think about what the some of the restrictions that have been in place the last couple of years. Mm, you haven't been able to. Uh, six in, but it's been very specific. Six, six feet. feet. So. Ooh, that's a whole, that's a whole nother tangent. We could go down. <laughs> that is very interesting. Yeah, the heart space is so expansive. When you, when someone, when you're in the presence of somebody with an open heart space, it affects you in mm-hmm. a very beautiful way. Oh, absolutely. And I think people don't think about it much. When you walk into a space, you can feel the energy around you. If somebody is in a very down mood, they're angry or depressed or unhappy, you can feel that you can, you, and people often say like, oh, this is the energy or the room felt weird. Or when somebody's very charismatic and outgoing and positive, people are attracted to that individual. And it's all relates to the energy around us and our ability to expand and open up, but we just, we don't think about it because we're not taught about it. Nobody teaches you this in school. And when you do talk about it, as you said earlier in your journey, you know, you weren't comfortable speaking about it because it wasn't accepting people thought, you know, and I think some people do still think it's weird to talk about energy and chakras and all that. And it's like, well, these are real things. <laughs> these are like real things that we need to actually talk more about. And I include examples like that too, when I'm teaching people about the science of it, because you learn about the science of it, and then you bring it into those personal experience. Like everybody has had an experience like that, where they've walked into a room and they've felt something like, so that's what that is, you know? So it gives them concrete examples and then the science to apply and go, oh, now I understand. And then their intellectual brain, which is so indoctrinated to be the one that's ruling, can be like, okay, now they can connect the dots and then they can run with it. So it takes it from being this really woo-woo, far-off concept to being concrete and something that they can actually understand and apply. Yes. So with that, just putting this in kind of a real-world example, you know, most people go to work and they interact with other individuals. Very rarely are people not working in some sort of team. So if somebody does encounter a person or persons that have that lower vibration, right? It just doesn't feel good. It's like, you know, you immediately get this like, ugh, like, I don't like this. How does somebody protect their own energy to not have that influence them in their own space? Yeah. So this backs up to what I was saying before about how the body and our indoctrination has trained us to go into contraction space in the heart particular, but that can apply to any kind of energy. Um, and that that is supposed to be like a protective mechanism, but that's actually the opposite of what works the best. So when the heart space is beautifully open, then the body isn't in contraction space and being open is better for the human body than a space of contraction. And just think about, you know, if you get really, really cold and you go into a contraction space trying to stay warm, you can get really sore just from being in that space, you know, and your circulation can get challenged and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so being open is going to be much more comfortable. And when you're in an open heart space, actually, then you can be the person that is setting the stage for the energy. So somebody can walk into the room and it could be really, uh, you know, something heavy. Somebody's in a bad mood, but that's if somebody is attuned, they might be able to feel your energy and come over to you because it's a safe place. And they'll be, they, they might be able to feel that whether or not they know that that's what they're doing. But if you have a difficult coworker or family or friend or something like that, when we go into contraction, um, we're usually on, oftentimes matching that person's energy. Mm-hmm. And so that just perpetuates that energy. 
But if you can walk in and, and maintain your sovereignty and be in an open heart space, and in particular, if somebody triggers you, and not that you're um, giving them permission to to walk all over you or be mean to you or anything like that, but um, or, or um, say that their behavior is okay, but if you can be in an open heart space and remind yourself and your body that you do not know what's going on with that person, what their beliefs are, what their home life is, what their physical body feels like, like what their financial situation is. And again, it's not like giving them permission, but it gives them, you know, it's compassion. And so coming from a place of compassion and an open heart space and staying in there actually sends out that energy off of your body that they might pick up off of and actually be able to be an easier, kinder person and also have an invitation to heal. Oh, that was so good. And I love that. And I agree hundred percent. I think love and compassion, if you can just do two things in life and those are your only two filters, those will expand you in multitude of ways and allow you to heal and meet people and do all these amazing, amazing things in life. So that it was beautiful. I was taking notes because I was like, oh, we got to make sure people hear this. <laughs> so with that, with being open, with being compassionate, one thing we struggle with as I think women particularly is receiving and being quote unquote worthy of receiving, you know, where we do the thing, we go through life, but we forget that we are worthy of having it all whether it's, you know, a million dollars is your dream or going on a vacation or going to spa day, whatever it may be. How do we get out of this societal constraint that we can't receive and, and really being open? I think that while they can go together, certainly receiving and being open to receive and being worthy of receiving can be two different things as well. Mm. And receiving or being closed off to receiving is probably a protective mechanism that many women have learned in their bodies and inherited in their bodies because it has not been a safe place for women on this, on this planet for a very, very long time, particularly women who were open and gifted and were healers and, you know, think Salem witch trials. And that's just one of the things that Americans have been taught in the public school system but the persecution of women, uh, intuitive women and healer women's goes back from what I, what I have seen much bigger than that, much longer than that. And it's a much bigger deal. So women carry that in their bodies. It's not safe to receive because I'm going to be persecuted for who I am, for even just having, you know, a female body. And of course, women have also been sexually objectified. So, you know, some women have gotten really comfortable with their bodies, but a lot of women instinct intuitively like contract their bodies and, you know, uh, hide their physical form and things like that because they have been objectified. And, and, and then, you know, a lot of women have been told if they are the victim of a sexual crime or sexual abuse, that it was their fault for some reason, but the way they dressed or the way they presented themselves or, you know, what, whatever, just like ridiculousness. So the, the, you know, receiving, um, is, is a, a very vulnerable state for a woman to be in based on history. Mm -hmm. And then the whole worthiness thing goes back to like the discussion of downloading the beliefs from birth to age seven. Most people are, have developed, especially in my personal and professional experience, a, a really, really strong, um, belief about, uh, not being worthy, um, 
I know that I just uncovered one of my core beliefs a couple months ago. And literally the statement that my body brought forward was I am nothing. So not just unworthy, literally, I am nothing. I was holding that belief in my body for 56 years that I am nothing. And how do you think, so it probably evolved, like you said, probably age seven or age birth to age seven. So when you come to that realization that you've been holding on to this negative belief, how do you clear that out? When you bring consciousness and awareness to something that was unconscious, it will automatically start to open, particularly if you have tools and support and safety in your body. Because for me, because I've developed a, a relationship with my body, as soon as I bring awareness to something that I was unaware of, my body will start to metabolize and open that for me. Love that. Love that. And I know, and I, I also know like, oh, I need to go for a walk or I need to journal or I need to call a friend or, you know, so I also have um, tools and support system that I know and, and my body will tell me, um, you know, you need to cry or you need to do this and just create space for that to happen. But that, you know, that is a practice thing that I have developed with my tools and also knowing who to reach out to, because if I call the wrong person, it's not going to help at all, you mm -hmm. know? So, um, yeah, so I think those are two things and then two, they can be two separate things. And when they, you put them together, there's massive fear. And, um, and in order to have any kind of transformation in the body, you have to feel safe. So mm -hmm. that can, you know, for someone that's just starting out or has an awareness and isn't really sure what to do, the first question they can ask themselves is, do I feel safe? And if the answer is no, then the second question can be, how do I create safety for myself? Mm, that's a great question. And I think you can go down so many different avenues with that because safety is going to be different for everybody and what they feel safe or what their definition of safe is. So I love that as like a beginning question to ask yourself. Yeah. Cause most people don't have an awareness of, and I certainly didn't. That's is a very new awareness for me that I didn't feel safe my whole life. And then I had this beautiful experience with a friend and mentor um, in a retreat that I did and I, and I'm in, and I went into this space of, oh my God, I feel safe. I didn't know that I wasn't feeling safe before. And so now I have an anchor that I've been able to go back to again and again for the past two years, since I had this beautiful experience when I, then now I can tell when I don't feel safe and I can immediately take myself into that sense of safety by, by bringing that experience to my mind. So once you have a safety anchor, you don't have to keep going in. I don't have to continue to be with that person and have and re recreate that experience. All I have to do is bring the experience to mind and my body goes, oh yeah, that's what safety feels like. Yes. I love that. With that, you talked about anchor and I, I talk about this often is it's a great tool to use is to anchor yourself into a specific emotional state. And I think people don't realize they actually do it already in some sort of like we do it often with like scents so you know people talk about oh I love the smell of you know freshly baked chocolate chip cookies because it reminds me of my childhood with my grandma you know like things like that but we can use that in other avenues as you just mentioned so how do how can people utilize the emotion of joy and happiness to um anchor themselves when they are going through a stressful any moment in time or experience? I think one of the first things is awareness and permission. You know, so you have that awareness that you're stressed about something and you need to give yourself a little bit of space or permission to be like, well, and here's the other thing about emotion. 
as I, I mentioned this before, but I didn't elaborate on it. Not only have we not allowed space to process our emotions in our, within our society, we have been taught to judge ourselves about our emotions. So if I feel this or I think this about this person, then I'm X, Y, Z. I'm a bad person. I'm wrong. You know, and it creates this whole shame thing. And then it creates this whole negative spiral. My favorite definition of emotion is energy in motion. So the body's just trying to move it. So you can be like, oh, I'm feeling this, but this does not mean that I am bad, broken, wrong. It doesn't mean anything about Mm -hmm. who each person is based on their emotions. It's just an emotion. Things are moving. So if you can sit with it and let it go, what do I need to do to allow the emotion to the emotion to flow? And sometimes it's just sitting with it. Like I can get into some really uncomfortable spaces, but I know that like yesterday I got kind of wonky. But today I'm in a different space because I know not to judge myself, which actually blocks the flow. So I sit with the emotion and then I have clarity around it at some point in time. Um, But anchoring emotions and then I, you know, I can go out for a walk, which will completely shift my my mood or give me a little bit of space to let the emotions discharge or for the thoughts to flow. Um, Or if I talk to somebody, if I can't figure it out or just let it sit overnight um, and it will shift because oftentimes it's if I'm in an uncomfortable space about something that's happening, I'm moving to a different space. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes it's just allowing like grief can be a really, really powerful emotion. Um, and most people don't because it can be uncomfortable. They can get really locked in their grief and then it gets stuck in their body. So allowing yourself permission to grieve. I've had so much grieving in my life with so many different things over the last four years. If you give yourself space for it and give yourself permission and don't judge, it moves. Mm-hmm. And then be, okay, if I move through the grief, what is it that I want on the other side? Like I'm letting go of something, but what do I want in its place? So that could also be the anger. Desire is an anger. Oh, that's a good one. But, yes. What is the desire? What do you want? Mm-hmm. So good. Ooh, this has been, oh my gosh, I can't believe we've been talking for almost an hour. (laughs) This has been great. So just to kind of wrap up, where can people find you? How can they work with you? And what kind of services do you offer right now? Or maybe any upcoming programs you maybe have coming down the pipeline? So as I mentioned, so many things have been uh, transitioning for me the last couple of years. And I feel like I'm like on the brink of really shifting things. Um, So it's, I have been doing one-on-one sessions. I continue to do some clinical nutrition work either on its own or in combination with the energy work that we described about letting people's bodies share with those. So I do offer individual energy sessions as well. Um, A lot of the concepts that we've been talking about today, uh, I've been teaching people about. So I did a workshop in June called The Power of Being that really teaches people about how to utilize the science of energy frequency and vibration. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you. I'm reworking that to add in the parts about the consciousness and the unconsciousness and the programming and how we come into the world. Like, so people can understand how we get to be where we are and that it is not who we are. And when you can understand how we, we all got to where we are today and we can't think our way out of these things, this is what we've been programmed to do. Then, then we can start to peel back those layers and just having awareness and bringing consciousness to the fact of how we got today and not to judge ourselves based on our emotions, then we can start to show up for ourselves differently every day. So the power of being, um, I'm reworking that. 
it's probably going to be maybe a six to eight week program instead. So we can get more in depth with it. Cause I just did it as like a one night workshop. Um, and it also teaches you the tools of empowerment and sovereignty and the law of oneness and how to connect with the energy fields, which when we do the inner work also supports the collective. So it also gives people permission to not feel selfish because it's not when we do that work. Mm-hmm. And it helps everybody when we focus and do this clearing for ourselves. Um, so the power of being that's going, that's going to be coming up one-on-ones. Um, the, one of the other downloads I got was called the nine pillars of life. And it's just the, all of the different categories of life. And I just got a, um, from my cosmic guides last week, it's time for me to sit down and really go through the nine pillars of my life. Um, so I can be reviewing my own life and seeing where I might be out of alignment or not completely fulfilled. And I obviously have some awareness of where, you know, I'm, I'm lacking fulfillment. Um, but I also got, why don't you invite people to come along with you and, and do that exploration. So I'm going to be going through the, uh, exploring the nine pillars of life and inviting people to join, join me just in a very informal way. We'll jump on zoom maybe once a week. I got to put that together this week. Um, and I'm going to start doing retreats, um, which would be in person because that's something that I really love and I love going to retreats and um, I'm going to start with short ones, but probably end up in, in longer ones. So that's going to be something that unfolds and I'm probably going to have a longer um, a longer exploration of the nine pillars of life, uh, starting early next year or maybe February. I'm not sure. So as I mentioned, a lot of things transitioning right now, really working at the details, but the best way to find out that information and stay on top of them for anyone that might be interested, um, is at my website, the bridge to infinity.com or via email. Um, I do have an email list and my email list is other than my private clients, my email list is always going to be the people that know first about what, what I'm up to. Um, so you can email me at Elaine at the bridge to infinity.com. Um, I have a Facebook profile, but that's just my name, Elaine Deshano Gardner. Um, Instagram is the bridge to infinity. Um, and I'm just starting to, to kind of play with doing some social media posts, which have been more personal right now. Um, yeah, so a lot of different things in the works. Um, and I hope that gives other people permission to to be like one of the things in the entrepreneurial world can be like, you don't you don't put it out there until it's polished and perfected. And, you know, I also don't want to uh, offer messy things that are chaotic and confusing because I've seen some people do that. But, you know, I'm trying to uh, really be perfectly imperfect and just show up and offer people beautiful experiences to the best of my ability to do so. Um, and learn from each and every one and continue to grow and serve um, and, and learn how to be of service um, in the way that that really uh, that other people want. I'm that's that's what I want is really to be it's it's such a huge part of who I am. Um, and for, for a very long time in my life, uh, I didn't know what integrity was like the meaning of it. But uh, I have very, very strong integrity. So I have to have to be in alignment. I'm very, very sensitive. So like I can't be out there offering weird stuff that doesn't align with me. It's just like, even just talking about it, my body is just getting all weird. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I will make sure all the links and emails and everything that Elaine just mentioned are right below. So you can just tap and connect with her. And then I'll have um, links 
for some of these things if they're alive and out. So again, any of this aligns with you, you are feeling that inner intuition that you are feeling guided, um, just look below and you will be able to connect with Elaine. And oh my goodness, Elaine, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation and energetic exchange. It was such a pleasure. It was such an honor to be here. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And if you are listening and you feel like this episode, you know, really stuck out to you, the best way you can help us is just tag us, you know, one screenshot the episode, tag us on social media as we can continue to reach out to more people and enjoy the rest of your day, listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I'd love to connect with you. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram to be entered in to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and don't forget to glow like you're meant to. Have a fabulous week.